Hi, and welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here to join us. We hope that this podcast inspires you to live life both for God and your city. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes. And remember to leave us a five-star rating. Enjoy the message. Today we're starting a message series talking about money. Um, Money matters. Um, why do we, I try to do this every year. And the reason I do it is because it was one of the most important topics Jesus talked about. I want you to consider this, that one out of every three verses in the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke was about money. These are the words of Jesus. Why did he talk so much about it? Because money matters. The vast majority, like 80% of divorces, cite conflict over money as the reason for divorce. It's on our mind all the time, money is. And Jesus says it's connected to our heart. The Bible says where our heart is, that's where our money is, or where our money is, that's where our heart is. And, you know, honestly, if you go into your checking account right now, you can see a lot about your heart. Uh, your credit cards are a picture of what's going on in your heart. So I wanna speak to this. And today as we start, really the vast majority of my focus today really is about vision for your life. It's really not even about money. It's about where your heart is, what God is doing in your heart. And in this season that we're in, I want you to grab a hold of it. I want you to look at that really. I wanna say some things about about your heart and your future, your, your focus. Uh, I want you to dream again, even. Life can be a grinder, can't it? Is, is anybody with me? Life can be a grinder. Have, have you been disappointed? Anybody been disappointed in life? Have you tried something that didn't, that didn't work out? Am I good? Can you guys hear or am I popping a little bit? Okay. Um, have you tried something that didn't work out? You try again, you try again, and at some point you're going, man, I've just had a little bit of, had a little bit of pain. And um, I'll go ahead, and, I'm going to go ahead and go with this, okay. At some point, the pain gets so much that you say, I'm just going to settle for where I am. I'm going to settle in my relationship with my spouse. I'm going to settle in my relationship with my employer. You know, good enough, this is, this is where I am, I can handle this. And really, this is what uh, Dr. Sam Chan says. He says that we will rise to the level of the pain we're willing to endure. And there comes a point where you say, I just can't do this anymore because it's too painful. I don't want to press in anymore to uh, in my, my relationship with the Lord. I'm just enough, you know, I'm tired of being disappointed. I feel like God doesn't hear me. Um, the prayers I've asked, he's not answered. And here's what I want to ask you today is how about one more time? How about just try one more time in our marriage, in our relationships, in our walk with Christ, in our money, in our vision for our life. How about we just try one more time? And then this time, instead of putting God to the test, 
saying, God, you're good enough here. You, you perform good enough. I'm going to give you the thumbs up. How about instead of us grading God, how he performs for us, instead, as we step out, we say, God, I just want to go with you. I just want to be with you in this journey. And we lower the pressure on the outcome and we view the pressing in as something that we get to do with Jesus. We get to do with the Lord. You know, let me just tell you today, if you go with Jesus, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong if you go with Jesus. What, what does it matter if we have a little bit of pain, a little bit of disappointment? If I'm going to experience any disappointment in my life, I would really like that disappointment to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit, in the presence of Jesus. So that's kind of the environment that I want to challenge you in today. And I want to challenge you with this thought today. I want you to make your reach your reality. Say that with me. Make your reach your reality. Come on, say it really good and loud. Make your reach your reality. So as we're doing, the, doing this, I want to talk about uh, vision, really. What, what has God put in your heart? What's in your mind? What's in your thought? What, what is it that drives you? What is it the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now? And I want you to know, as you're asking those kinds of questions, I, I want to tell you, you have got to have vision for your life. When it comes to your money, if you don't have a vision for your money, then your money's going to do whatever your appetites say that you should do. If, when you have vision for your marriage, you have vision for your future, when you have vision for your finances, it'll change behaviors in your life. Did you know that whatever you respect, you get more of? If you respect the Lord, your relationship with him, you'll get more love, more, more relationship with the Lord. If you don't respect it, if you don't make church a priority, if you're not in the house of the Lord, when the house is open, if you're not in God's word, you know what? You're not going to have much of a relationship with the Lord. If you want to, if you don't respect your marriage, you're not going to get a lot out of your marriage. Really, whatever it is you respect, you'll get more of whatever you disrespect, you'll get less of. It's just how this works. When we respect what God's doing in our life, we'll have a vision for our life. When you have a vision for your life, if you'll think about it, you'll pray, pray about it, you'll work on it, then God will help you. He'll give you more insight, more courage, more initiative, more favor. Why would you get more favor? Well, I think it's because you spend more time on it. You ask God to work in it. You respond to what he's doing. It's amazing. Um, the harder you work at something, the luckier you get, it seems. You know, a lot of the people that, are ex that experience favor are people that have been generous people, people that have worked hard. Who has friends? According to the Bible, it's those who have shown themselves friendly. That's what the Bible says. So whatever it is that you're asking God for, we really need to be engaged in that thing. If you want revival in your life, you need to be engaged in your relationship with the Lord because revival just doesn't come along. It doesn't just happen. There has to be a seeking God. There has to be a pursuit of God. Uh, this week um, on the National Faith Advisors Board uh, call, Pastor Greg Laurie shared about what was happening uh, around the movie Jesus Revolution. And one of the really great things it was that he said there was he said, if you want to experience revival, you have to do revival things. Just really basic. I mean, if you want the presence of God, then you need to be, bring the presence of your own life into your relationship with the Lord. If you want 
and, and you know, here's another thing, a, a problem I have with some of our focus on revival is we're wanting God to do extraordinary things in us. And you know, it's wonderful when we feel the presence of God, but you know what's really wonderful to, to the Lord is when we sanctify ourselves and consecrate ourselves to the Lord so that he can work in our lives. Everybody wants the roller coaster part of the revival, you know, the, the thrill ride, the great feelings, the emotion, the, you know, the sense that God is there. But what about the sense that we're there with God, that we're preparing ourselves so that God can work and move in our life? You know, maybe that's some of what we're learning during this season right now, that God is at work in the lives of the people that seek him. Whatever we respect, we get more of. We got to have vision for our life. What is it that God is doing in your life? Where are you starting? Are you in love with what it is that God is calling you to do? Are you, are you passionate for it? Is there some, someone in your life that's bringing you along and bringing you, introducing uh, you to a deeper walk with Christ or a calling on your life or you know, in, in, your, in, in your money? Uh, is, is there someone that you're watching that is going down the path that, that you want to go down and, and so you begin to lean out into that? I had somebody that saw something in me and they saw the things that were inside of my life, what God was doing, and they introduced me to a little bit more. I'm a pastor. I love being a pastor. I, I love it. I, I don't, now I wake up tired sometimes, but I never wake up tired of what I do. This is my calling. This is, this is what I'm in love with. I'm, a, I'm in love with Christ. I want people to know, to know Jesus. When I, was, when I was just a kid, when I was in college, there was a man by the name of, old, I called him Old Roy Crane. And Brother Crane saw something in me in church and he started taking me to the nursing home to do church services after Sunday morning service. And we'd wheel people in, lock them down. And the first time I went, I thought I was just going along. He went in there. He was deaf. He couldn't hear and he definitely couldn't sing, but he would play his guitar and sing. And then after he was finished, he said, okay, Travis, you're preaching. And then I just start, I just looked at him like, what are you talking about? I thought, well, these people won't remember me. <laughs> they, you know, they won't remember me. I went out, I just preached. And really that became my first church, the Chattanooga Life Care Center. I have a picture of my first church. Would you guys like to see that? Yeah. I got that right here. I think I got it. That's my church. <laughs> Isn't that pretty cool? And I'm standing there with Miss Ella Tate. Miss Ella Tate was in her 90s. And she had a deep voice. And she took an interest in me. And I would always make sure that I took her to her room last. And then I would sit with her. And then she would quote this poem about the Bible every week. And she would encourage me in the Lord. It was in that nursing home that I began to have a vision for ministry. A vision for what God wanted to do in my life and in the life of other people. The preaching that I would do, I did because, you know, Roy asked me to. And then I started liking preaching. I stopped caring what people would think. I still was figuring out my way for a while, but I began to see that God was unfolding something in my life. 
And the really cool thing is in that church, after you know three years of rolling, well, let me tell you about the first sermon I preached real quick. I was like two minutes into my sermon and an old fella in the back of the wheelchairs, he piped up and said, preacher, are you about done? And I said, yes, sir, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I rolled him back to his room first. <laughs> I got him last the next time too. I just figured if I could just minimize my time with him, you know, maybe he won't get so tired of me. And also I ain't want to get in a fight with it. Don't ever get in a fight with an old man. I also learned that too. But I began to get a taste for what God was doing in my life and the life of other people. You got to have a vision for your life. The same God that is with us today is the same God that was in that cafeteria, that nursing home. In fact, I would say some of the greatest memories that you have in your relationship with the Lord and the things that God has called you to do are some of the things that he did when nobody was watching and nobody knew. And God begins to formulate something in your life and it, it hardens and you become focused and fixated on it and you hold on to that vision. We have to have a vision for our life. Caleb is one of the greatest pictures of a vision that is birthed inside of a man and grows out over the course of time. I want to take you to um, Numbers chapter 13 and read a passage here to you. And as you're preparing to read this with me, I really want you to put yourself in that story. What is it that God's put in your heart? What has God enabled you to see that nobody else sees? Because the truth is, there are people that see what we do and they think, well, you're never gonna get anywhere doing that. That's a waste of time. Those people won't even remember you. Uh, that's all you're able to do. But let me tell you, it's in those beginnings that God forms and shapes and binds things to you that will cause you to never be the same. The vision is, the vision is one of the most beautiful things that you, a vision is one of the most beautiful things that you can get for your life. Because a vision will sustain you in a way that money can't sustain you and that health can't sustain you. Carl Richardson is a great mentor in my life. And great evangelist, great leader. And from time to time, when I talk to Carl Richardson on the phone, as a frail man, he is still full of the vision that God has placed in his life. Vision is stronger than health. It's one of the greatest things that you could ever have in your life. People look at you, oh, you're a dreamer. I'm not just a dreamer. We're not just a dreamer. People of vision are not just dreamers. We have a dream and then we put sneakers and blue jeans on the dream and we walk it out. And listen, I believe God has placed 
a calling on the life of every single person in this room. Your family is not an accident. Your relationships are not an accident. Your sphere of influence is not an accident. God has placed you. Make everything rally to the vision that God has placed in your life. How do I know if it's a vision from the Lord? The vision from the Lord, it will honor the Lord. It will honor the giftings that you have. And it will set you on a course that will change your life. And it will change the lives of a number of other people. Numbers chapter 13. Verse 28. But the people, I'm sorry, verse... uh, 21, 27. Okay, I'm good. I'm settled at 27, okay? Moses had sent spies into the promised land. And they're all coming back with the report. They were sent to scout out a land that had been promised to them by God. 12 go out, here's the report. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore. I think this is interesting too. They don't call it the promised land, the land you sent us to explore. They had to take promised off. They had to downgrade the vision to match their intensity. We entered the land you sent us to explore and it is indeed a a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey, Here is the kind of fruit it produces. Grapes, they had grapes. But the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Let Let me just pause here for a second because people with vision are different than people who don't have vision. People with vision, when they go in, they see the grapes and then they see the giants. The people with no vision, they go in, they see the giants and then they see the grapes. Another place here says, we were like grasshoppers in their sight. Listen, there are grasshoppers and there are grape eaters. And people with vision are grape eaters. People without vision, those are the grasshoppers. Always a reason why something won't work. Always a reason why the the thing that God has promised us just won't work out this time. The challenges are too great. The Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites, Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. Now here comes one of the grape eaters. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses, he says. Let's go at once to take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. Let me just tell you, the people of revival, people of vision, people of promise, people of destiny, they are the people that will go into the land and will conquer the land. And all we need is Jesus. That's all we need. Pastor, how Are we going to tackle things in this culture? The giants are so big. Listen, according to Jesus, according to the Holy Spirit, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. I think that's one of the reasons why we're seeing revival take place on our college campuses right now. Because children are rising up in the middle of this war on these children and God is using them across a nation. 
You know, last week we talked about, we talked about Auburn and we talked about Samford and we talked about Lee and we talked about Asbury. But let me tell you, there's a massive revival taking place at Texas A&M. And, and God is doing something here. God is doing something inside of us. He really is. I'm thankful for government. I really am. I'm, I'm thankful. Man, I can make some enemies right now. What did you say? Did you say go ahead? Okay. Pastor, why do you p- preach about political stuff? I mean, even today we're talking about abortion. We're talking about women's why pastor why do you talk about political stuff listen life is not political that's moral that's biblical those lives are sacred every single life is sacred unto god unto god a pastor that's political look if politicians grab it fine i'm okay with that man dear lord help me right now Have you noticed Pathway Church is pretty diverse? Have you noticed that? Can I say something that's going to bother everybody in this room right now? We have some people that will turn a blind eye on matters concerning race for their political ambitions. And we have people who will turn a blind eye to life because of their political ambitions. And we got people in here that are in all kinds of camps. Listen, there is one camp. It's the Jesus camp. That's it. That's it. I don't want to spend too much time on that because I just don't want to get down in the weeds. But listen. We could spend a lot less time, and we need to judge what's going on in the White House. We do. There's some crazy stuff that goes on in the White House. But what we really need to judge is the church house. It's where we really need to camp out. I really want us to have good laws, but I really want us to have a relationship with the Lord. We can press into both, but there's one that we will win in. One will make us more comfortable and one we will win on. We will win in the kingdom of God, no matter what happens in the White House. I feel like I did okay there, so I'm going to move on while I'm still alive, okay? Thank, Thank you. Pastor, it's just too challenging. It's too challenging. We can't talk about this stuff right now. We are having problems in our churches because we have not talked about it. And it's not right for us to skip the controversial passages in the Bible because it's inconvenient to our little plan and leave people, abandon people to go and figure it out for themselves. Listen, the Bible is true about some of the pet projects that are going on in our country right now. And if we don't speak to it, we're going to leave our kids to deal with it on their own. We are not leaving our kids alone. We're not leaving our families alone. There is a way that seems right unto man. But listen, 
God has another story. God has the final word. And listen, Pathway Church, we ought to reflect the character of God and not the character of this culture. We got to be in this world, but we are not of this world. I thank God that I'm a citizen of the United States, but I thank God that I'm a citizen of a otherworldly kingdom. It really doesn't matter how big the giants are. I guess that's what I'm saying here. We got to have vision. If we don't have vision for our life, we'll fall to whatever comes along. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says, where there is no vision, the people, where there is no vision, the people perish. And Habakkuk chapter two tells us that we should write the vision down and make it plain so that he that reads it can run with it. The vision of this house is that we are for God and we are for city, our city in that order. That we love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength, and our, we love our neighbor as ourselves. We love this city, but we don't love it so much that we will diminish God's word. We will love it in the context of the word of God. And our job isn't to just make nice with our family, make nice with the church, just keep everybody nice. We're looking for transformation to transform people into the character and the image of Jesus Christ. It's a vision. What is your vision for your life? I love vision. I love seeing a thing that doesn't exist and watching that thing come into, into reality. Hey, can I brag on what God is doing over at airport campus? I just want Foley and I want South Haven and Moffat to know what's going on at, at uh, airport campus. When we were getting ready to open up, I took a picture, Kelly and I took a picture with Pastor Chad and Pastor Cheryl when they were campus pastors over at airport and we had that little sign. We just threw down some four by fours and put up a little sign, the future home coming soon, Pathway Church Airport Campus. Today, airport campus, the kids areas are packed out in two services. The church is packed out. Come on, somebody give God a great big hand clap for that. And we just, we undercut all of the acreage. We're getting ready because when our new auditorium goes up, we won't have a place for Easter egg hunts, for buy a tree, change your life, for all that stuff. So we just undercutted all of the acreage there at airport campus. So it's looking pretty. It's starting to get there. We're getting ready. We got a building that's about to come up out of the ground. It's exciting. And here's what I think. I think that that auditorium is going to be packed out as well. I remember, I remember saying when, when Pathway Church was having a baby, I remember saying, this time next year, there will be people who today are in their living room watching TV, that this time next year, they will be in the church lifting up their hands to worship the Lord. Let me tell you, that's been reality since day one. And God's been faithful. You know, here's what I think. The vision is still being run with. And that church was a miracle. That church was a blessing from God. And it's a blessing because I'm not the only person that has vision around here. What if the whole church said, I have a vision for the kingdom of God to come in my life, to come in my family, to come in my church. What would happen if, if it was all of us? If we, if we weren't 
just showing up for church, but we said, this thing is bigger than me. It's a seven day a week thing. God is at work inside of me and I want him to bring to completion what his plan is for my life. How many of you have some vision in the house today? You're, you're saying, God, I want vision. I want to have vision for your kingdom in my life using me. Now we know the story of Joshua and Caleb, the 10 spies, the, the grasshoppers, the people with no vision, the people who are weak. Pastor, why are you talking about people that are weak? Well, I'm weak too. The difference between a grasshopper and a grape eater is that the grasshopper stands and looks through their own eyes and see what can't be, whereas a grape eater is just as weak, but stands with the Lord and says, God, if you're, if you're for me, who can be against me? Stands with the Lord and says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My family can be saved. My children can be, it doesn't matter what your children are going through right now. We can speak the words of God over our family and know that God is faithful to his word and there's no addiction, no bad influence. There's no school that can separate them from the love of God. Now, there'll be some people that won't experience the vision. There will be people that won't have a vision for their personal financial life or for their future. They don't have to be, but there will be people. There are people that will go and say, I've just had enough. It's, it's too much. But listen, I wish Pathway Church, every single one of you would say, I believe God's word is true. And I believe God wants to do good things in my life. He doesn't want to harm me, but he has a plan and a future for my life. That, that's the promise of the Lord. For I know the plans I have for you says the Lord, not to harm you. The Lord wants to bless us. He has a future and a hope for us. Somebody just needs to get that in their heart. If you believe that God says that about you, it can help line everything else up. I want you to go with me. I want your financial life to be blessed. Anybody said, pastor, I want God to bless my finances. It's okay to raise your hand. I want God to bless. I want God to bless my finances. I want you to go with me. I'm not, I'm not saying we're going to go rob a bank. I'm not saying that we're going to show up and mysteriously there's going to be a bunch of zeros at the end of our checkbook. What, what I'm saying is with what God has given us in this place, we're going to move forward in the vision of God. But not everybody will go, listen, I want to go and I want you to go. But if you don't go, I'm going anyway. Listen to this, Joshua chapter 14. Caleb was 40 years old back in Numbers 13 and Joshua chapter 14, now he's 85. Any, we got any 85 year olds here in the house today? You're trying to raise your hand, but your arthritis is keeping you about this high right here, right? Just shake your cane. I mean, this is what, this is what Caleb did. He went and shook his cane at the mound. He said, give me the mound. I'll tell you what, I thank God that we have some prayer warriors in the house. Our seniors are some of the most praying people. We are blessed with some incredible leaders here in our church, some mothers and fathers and grandmothers and grandfathers in the spirit. Aren't you thankful for them today? So Joshua and Caleb, they outlived the 10 grasshoppers. Vision will extend your life, I'm telling you. Joshua chapter 14, here's what the Bible says. Now this is after they had gone into the promised land. Verse six, a delegation from the tribe of Judah led by Caleb, son of Jephunneh, 
the Kenizzite, came to Joshua at Gilgal. Now, Joshua is leading, by the way. Joshua is the leader of all Israel at this point. And Caleb comes to him, and he says to Joshua, remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report, but my brothers who went uh, with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So that day Moses solemnly promised me, the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Now, as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise, even while Israel wandered in the wilderness. Today, I'm 85 years old. Come on, man, let's give it up for all of our octogenarians. I just wanna say today, your best days are not behind you. Just turn to your neighbor right now and through your dentures say, I'm in my prime. Just go ahead, I'm in my prime. He said, I'm as strong now as when I was when Moses sent me on that journey. And I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You will remember that as scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living there in great fortified walled towns that the but if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. So Joshua blessed Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and gave Hebron to him as his portion of land. Hebron still belongs to the descendants of Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, because he wholehearted, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord, the God of Israel. Previously, Hebron had been called Kirath Arba. It had been named after Arba, the great hero of the descendants of Anak, and the land had rest from war. There's a lot I could say about that. I've preached on this. I preached about middle of the rock. I don't know if you remember that message when I preached. Mediocre means middle of the rock. When you go halfway up the mountain, you say, this is good. Mediocre people go halfway up the mountain. Mediocre meaning middle of the rock. Literally, you're satisfied to go up middle of the rock instead of taking. The, but the vision propels you to the top. Vision says, I'm not going to stop until I get to the, I, I see the promise. I'm not going to stop until all of my children know and love Jesus. Amen. I'm not going to stop until Pathway Church is fully equipped and walking in its purpose and God's power is resting on the house. I'm not going to stop. It doesn't matter how discouraged I get. It doesn't matter if something doesn't go right. Listen, things are not going to go right. You do understand that, right? Don't just wilt. Don't be a shrinking violet when things don't go right the first time. You just keep pressing on in because the vision is for an appointed time. That's what the Bible says. And if you aren't around for that appointed time, you won't see the vision come so you got to have some, uh, my dad would call it stick to Has anybody used that word before, stick to you got, you got to have some elbow grease. you got to have some grit. More grit, less quit. you got to be able to move on in some. Use that elbow grease when, and, and then ask God to work. And when you don't hear his answer, you keep, at, keep doing what you've been called to do. 
Hey, it was 45 years from the time that Joshua saw and Caleb saw the promise until the time it was realized. Here's what I'm trying to say. Uh, Philip, come help me out. Help me get off this thing, okay? Here's, here's what I'm trying to say. Caleb got a taste. Caleb got a token. He, he, got, a, he got a sampling. He had a reach. Listen, you can make your reach your reality. You can make your sampling the standard for your life. Pastor, we just really experienced a, a touch from God in service today. Wasn't it so great? We don't have to have that just once in a while. We can have that in our relationship every single day of the week. Make, make our sample our standard. Make our reach our reality. Pastor, I got a nice bonus. I got, got a little extra money in the bank. That can be our reality every day, you know, because there are certain things that we can do. This is what I want to say about your money. If you don't have a vision for your money, it will fly. It will just do whatever. But if you enforce the vision on your money, then it's going to step into a new place, just like everything else in your life. That's why I really didn't want to talk to you about money today. I want to talk to you about vision. Then you would have a vision for your life. I look around this room and I see people who have had a vision for their life and have done hard things and have endured hard things to walk in that vision. And I just wanna to say to you today, lean into the voice of God. See it, even when people around you, even, even when it's like you're less than 20%, you're like 17% of the voices are saying, hey, we can, we can take this land, this promised land, we can take it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the majority says. Pastor, when is the culture right? When the majority is right? No. You don't need a majority. Let me tell you a secret. Jesus plus you is a majority every single time. My whole family is blown out, Pastor. That's because God is writing a great story. You're going to be the first generation in your family that's faithful to Jesus. And your children are going to be faithful to Jesus. And your children's children are going to be faithful to Jesus. They're going to be in the center of God's hand. Yes, your parents may have been addicted. Your parents may have been abusers. They may have beat you. You may not know your father's name. You may not know your mother's name. But you are a different place because God has his hand on your life. And you're going to change everything for your children on down. Come on, somebody needs to believe that today. You need to hold on to that today. Day. Pastor, I'm believing for good things. You got to, you got to be able to reach. If you'll reach, if you'll step out of your comfort zone, then that thing you reach out and touch can become your daily life. Listen, I don't want you bound up in debt. I don't want you to be under heavy financial burdens unnecessarily. I want you to have a vision for your life. How are we going to be able to, how are we going to be able to build the next campuses? How are we gonna be able to reach into our communities if God's people don't have a vision for their money? How are we gonna be able to equip leaders in our church if we don't have a vision for our family and for our church? And I believe that God is at work in each one of us today to have vision. We're not gonna die because we're gonna see. We're not gonna die because we're gonna have vision. 
doesn't matter what people around us are saying. What matters is, are we hearing the voice of God? When he promises a thing, we walk out the thing. Is there anybody in the house today that says, Pastor, I see the grapes and I see the giants, but my God is bigger than anything the enemy has. If that's you, just slip up your hand at all of our campuses. Would you just go ahead and stand with me right now? I'm gonna pray for you. Now I wanna, I wanna ask a question. You're saying, Pastor, I believe that God has a big plan for my life. I believe it. And I want to walk in it. If that's you, would you slip up your hand right now? If you, if you say, God has a big plan for my life and I want to walk in it. If you've slipped up your hand, would you please go ahead and step out and come and join me in the altar right now. Just go ahead and step out and join me. Just come step right here to the middle. John, Emily, you guys come on over to the middle. And I want to pray for you today. I got so many friends in this altar. God's purpose, God's plan, God's presence, his spirit is on you. There are businesses, there are businesses in this house that God wants to do incredible things in. There are families in this church that God wants to do incredible things in. Please, no small dreams, no small dreams. God wants a fresh, touch in your life in his relationship with you he wants to minister powerfully inside of you and you please don't don't settle for middle of the rock don't settle for mediocre we're going to possess the land we're not going to wander in the desert just routine 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 no we're going to go into the promised land and the walls those fortified cities they're going to fall god's going to give us our families he's going to give us our communities how many of you believe that today amen Father, I come to you right now and I pray that you would touch my brothers and sisters today. Father, that you would give them vision for their life. And Father, they would see that they are not the only one involved. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would touch and you would minister today to my brothers and sisters today. Father, I'm praying for healed families. I'm praying for... Father, I'm praying for addictions that are warring against the working of God in your people. I pray that you would break them right now. Cycles of behavior that have been passed down from generation to generation. I pray that you would break it off these families, Father, in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would do your work. Father, I pray for our money, pray for our work, Father, I pray that you would favor and bless your people as we're faithful to you. Father, you would do your good, strong work in us. And God, in all of this, whatever our vision, whatever our hope is kind of centered on or the, whatever the flavor is, I pray that it would point directly to you. It would only glorify you. Father, I pray that no plan that does not glorify you, I pray it would not succeed in the life of your people. I pray that there would be no distractions. Father, we pray that you would not bless us so much that we forget you. I pray that we would be dependent on you. Father, and if we can't handle money, Father, I pray that you would keep it from us. 
because there's nothing that we want more than you. Father, whatever it is that you give us, I pray that it would be used for your glory. asking for joy in this journey. Father, that our minds would fixate on the vision and we would have a great, Lord, the joy of the journey would be as great as the destination. Father, that when we pray, we would understand this, that your kingdom would come, that we don't have to wait for a tomorrow when you, we experience your presence. But Father, in the journey, Father, we would enjoy your presence. Lord, help us to seek the giver of the gift greater than the gift. Father, that the vision would be something that draws us close to you. God, we'll thank you. We'll thank you for that. God, I pray for extraordinary favor on Pathway Church. Father, I pray that you would gather a group of giant slayers in this house. Father, that we will wrestle our schools, wrestle our children. We would wrestle against the enemy that would war against them. And Father, we, every giant would fall, every single one, every counterfeit in the name of Jesus would be broken out of our families. God, we'll thank you for that, Lord. We hope you've been blessed by this week's podcast. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with all of our most recent episodes and visit pathwaychurch.us give. We'll see you next week.